for several days, but we know a God that is a healer. We need to pray for Sister Denisha. She's been fighting a migraine as well. Obviously, the enemy is threatened by our church because opposition and trial and conflict from the powers of darkness is confirmation that God is about to do something great and that we are a threat to his schemes, his ploys, and his plans. I know a God that can do all things exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. Amen. Can we confirm the devil's fear here tonight? And can we stand to our feet and go to the Lord in prayer? Amen. Can we confirm that obviously we are beginning to threaten him? Can we give confirmation to the devil's greatest fear that our church is growing closer to God, our church is growing in unity, and our church is about to make an impact in our community? Can we close our eyes uh, and lift our hands and right now just go to the Lord in prayer? Can we begin to praise God anyhow? Despite what's going on, can we just begin to praise God anyhow? I want every demon to tremble. I want Satan himself uh, to question his tactics. Lord God of Jacob, uh, you are our man of war. There is no God but you. You are the one that sits on the throne. Uh, and every force of hell fears you. Every force of hell can't even comprehend, uh, God, what you are about to do. God, you are a healer. And God, tonight we celebrate you. We magnify you. God, we glorify you. Uh, oh, King Jesus, uh, you 
you are the one that we worship uh, and you are victorious. Lord, we lift up this long list of names, God, that are sick. God, you are our Jehovah Rophah. You are the Lord that heals, uh, the great and wise physician. Uh, I pray for every single individual and God, we are claiming uh, and agreeing uh, and believing that they are healed uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, God, we magnify you, Jesus. Come on, somebody, right now, begin to praise your God. Amen. These altars are open. Whatever you have need of, we will pray for you. Amen. It's so good to see everybody this evening. Amen. Let us worship our God. remain our first love above everything or anyone else in our life it says that he needs to be our first love and I believe he condemned those and called them out for saying that you have forgotten your first love amen the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and then all these things shall be added unto you God first, Jesus first above anything else. Amen. Let's continue to worship our God.
clap of praise tonight. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. As stated earlier in the service, we have many that are unfortunately fighting sickness, but we're believing that God will heal them. Amen. We have a contingency that is up at our uh, the ACE conference as well in the Dallas area, so we're praying for them. Amen. I know that they are representing our church well, representing our academy well, and God is going to use them to bless somebody. Amen. You may return to your seats this evening. Amen. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart and from the extension of our bishop, thank you to everybody that worked so hard for our pumpkin patch, our potluck, and our fall festival. Amen. Those that have stepped up and had sacrificed the time that we battled wind, rain, amen, heat, a little bit of everything that Texas follows us. But I really saw, I really witnessed quite a bit of unity being built, camaraderie being built, and those interacting with the community. And that's what it was all about, amen. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone, amen. There's nothing that brings people together Jaden, like unloading 750 pumpkins out of the back of an 18-wheeler. There was one point I thought I was going to have to rescue him or somebody because all the pumpkins started coming down. I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody being taken out by pumpkins recently. Amen. So, and then I, we didn't want to be the first either. So, make it in the news. 
youth or young person from New Life Apostolic Church covered by pumpkins, five-hour rescue. Can you just imagine the headline there? And then I would witness to them and say, come to church, see why we're so awesome. Amen. But I had such a great time with the pumpkin patch and the fall festival. Thank you to everyone. Amen. And so we have several things going on in November. We know that our bishop will be back Saturday. We're praying for his health. He's fighting sickness, unfortunately, believing that God will heal, traveling mercies, and God will use him for this last uh, portion of his trip as well. Amen. Next weekend, we have a ladies' conference, excuse me, a ladies' retreat happening. And my beloved, wonderful, beautiful, amazing, awesome wife is fixing to present it. Amen. Um, if you can turn in your registration form and um, the fee, uh, I need a head count. They want a head count by Sunday, no later than Sunday. Um, and that will give us um, an accurate um, amount of food to serve everybody. And the reason why I need an accurate head count is because we do not just pay a blanket cost. It's $40 per person eating. And so I want to, I don't want to accidentally overestimate or underestimate. So if you guys can give me that information no later than Sunday, that's when I'm giving them the numbers. Um, I think that's all. <laughs> Amen. Ladies, I pray that this retreat truly is a blessing for you. The Bible says as iron sharpened iron, you ladies give so much to your children, to your spouses, to the home, to the workplace, and all these different avenues, and this is going to be for you. Amen. This is your opportunity to be refreshed, to be renewed, to build that camaraderie amongst each other as the ladies of this church. Amen. Now, men, uh, I'm pulling security on all four of my children next weekend, and so if you'd like to join me, I, I like culture, learning about culture. I like history, so I'm going to be at the, Scot the Scottish Festival in Salado next Friday and Saturday. I'm going to go listen to some bagpipes and drummers. But not only that, they throw logs. And I'm not, I don't mean just logs, like entire trees. They just chuck it to see how far they can throw it. How epic is that? So please join me at the Scottish Festival if you would like to next weekend while the ladies enjoy their time. Now, service members and veterans that are here, spread the word. We are going to be providing a veterans breakfast Saturday the 19th at 9 a.m. If you would like to help, all the help would be great. Um, if you feel led to help in some form or fashion, please, we welcome your help as a greeter, as a server, as helping cleaning up to support our veteran community. I am believing that that Vietnam Veterans Association is coming, Brother Delion. Now, I asked them, I, I begged them that, can you please bring your World War II Jeep? And all they did was laugh. I said, please, but the Jeep would be so epic, and I can't fit in it, all right? But it would be awesome to see. But I'm believing that we're going to have a good turnout. So service members, amen, I need you to have your entire unit in formation at 09 on Saturday, please, Brother Cody. Okay, no, we know how formation is. 15 minutes early, Elder, right? So I need it 0845, uh, please. Roger, we're going to get everybody in there, and we're going to have a good time of fellowship. It is an opportunity to build that camaraderie. Everybody has that connection and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there any other announcements tonight? If there are no more announcements, we're going to receive our Wednesday night tithe and half shekel offering. Our ensemble may be seated.
Amen. Yes, sir. All right. Remember how we have stated that obviously the enemy is concerned about us? We have a need. Sister Victoria and Sister Trish are going to need a ride home tonight. Our van battery has died. And so if possible, we need somebody that is willing to take them home. As we know, the enemy is obviously concerned. It has been a multitude of issues. We had flooding last week. We had live stream issues on uh, Sunday. And we've had uh, sound issues as well. But God is still on the throne. Amen. So if somebody is willing to take home Sister Victoria and Sister Trish tonight, that would be uh, and a much appreciated help this evening. Amen. If we could go ahead and switch over. Tonight is, I'm excited about tonight's lesson. The Lord kind of laid this on my heart several weeks ago, and the objective is to be informative, but not only that, to spark an interest in studying the Word of God in, in a different type of depth. Not just simply face value, not just simply what it says, but understanding the rich history that is behind our Word of God. The Word of God is, is over 3,500 years old. That is a lot of history, civilizations, interactions, cultures that are embedded in our Bible. And it's important to understand where... Things have gone. What is mentioned? But not only that, the Bible is replete with an abundant amount of mysteries. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those folks where if I don't know it, I've got to stop and Google it. It will kill me. I've got to sit there and try to figure it out. You could ask Brother Scotty, haven't we been there before? If I forget something or I don't know something, I've got to Google it. As I said, our word of God is replete with mysteries. Replete means that it is abundant. It is full of a multitude of mysteries. What is a mystery? An enigma. A mystery is just a hidden truth. And a mystery is there for us to try to obtain it. I don't know about you, Sister Winnie. There are times that I'm reading scripture and something is mentioned once. There's no context. It frustrates me. What are they saying? Who is this? What's going on? I've got to have a whole narrative. You could ask my wife. If she tells me a story, don't I ask for context? Who, where, when, why? She's like, can I just tell it? No. I need background. I need a foundation. Amen. And so tonight, I am going to share a list of mysteries, just small little mentions. And we're going to look at the biblical context, the historical context, the cultural context, and what has been said about it. Now, here is my prelude. Some of the things I mentioned are, are biblical, solid biblical canon, meaning that it is inspired by God. Some things are Jewish tradition. Some things are Jewish folktale. Some things are what they call apocryphal. 
Apocrypha or apocryphal means that it is written after the Bible or it is non-canon. So the reason I mention is because we kind of have this, I'm not quite sure about it. We're going to look at the translation through Hebrew and we're going to look at the translation in Greek. So we are going to start a Bible series or called this Bible Mysteries. These are things that I have read, Sister Ayana, that I'm like, what? What is that? And it kills me. I'm like, Lord, what were you saying? Moses, you're going to have to give me just a little bit more, please, Moses. Paul, I need just a little bit more, please. I don't know about you, but I want to get in. It says, search the scriptures, for they testify of me. So tonight, if I can give a category to our series of mysteries, it's going to be, I guess you could call it creatures. The Bible is full of such spiritual activity, spiritual creatures. Amen. And there are some things that we hear in 2022 that may have been on the earth that's no longer here today. Amen. Do we believe that the Bible is true? Yes or no? It's unfallible, meaning that it is without error. So we are going to be diving into a series of creature mysteries. Amen. I'm going to start with a scripture, and then I am going to give you the answer to the best of what I have studied and to the best of what scholars believe it is. Let's go to our first mystery. Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. And everything I say tonight, I hope it sparks an interest in diving into your word. Because the Bible is full of almost 4,000 years of history, Jaden. That's a lot of cultures, a lot of languages that came and died. So our first mystery, Jacob, are we ready? I read this and I say, what do they mean? What is happening? Okay, if I could get that back, it may be just that HDMI. As he's working on that, I'm going to go to my notes, Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. Are we ready for this adventure? Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. This is before Noah, before the flood. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men that were of old and renowned. That means that they did great exploits. So, Savannah, here's the mystery. There were giants in the land before Noah in the flood. But what's interesting to me is that the sons of God came unto the daughters of men. What does that mean? Has anybody, raise your hand if you have read this and wondered what on earth it means. Okay, so here's what it means. Going back to Jewish tradition, going back to the Torah, going back to the Talmud, trying to explain it. Fallen angels. You hear what I'm saying? Fallen angels, the sons of God, came unto the daughters of men. Fallen angels married the daughters of men. Does everybody understand? Fallen angels married human women. And they bore children. Who are these children? They're the giants. 
this is your birth of the giants, but there's a specific name for it. They said that they were, which were of old and men of renown. Now, my mystery, Samuel, if I have giants, it's okay. I'm not asking you to answer. You were panicking. He was like, Google. All right. But here's the mystery. If I have giants before the flood, this kills me. It eats me up. I can't sleep at night. If I have giants before the flood, how do they survive the flood? Were they on the ark? I like these mysteries. Next slide, please. So who are these giants? They actually have a Hebrew name, and that's the Nephilim or the Nephilim. I've heard both pronunciations. The Nephilim were the giants. Or the Hebrew, the Hebrew translation, the Nephilim were called the fallen ones. Do we believe the Bible is true? Do we have documentation of giants before the flood? Yes. Genesis 6 and 4. Do we have documentation of giants after the flood? Goliath. There's a few others as well. We have Goliath's brothers, correct? They had to go clean house. All right? There is a book out there, great reading, but not Bible. You hear what I'm saying? Great reading, unique, very weird, but it's called the Book of Enoch, as in Enoch from Genesis that didn't die, and he was translated into heaven. How can you write a book? He was translated into heaven. But the Book of Enoch is what they call Apocrypha. They mention the Nephilim, and they get really into this mysticism and weird creature stuff. I'm only mentioning it because they mentioned the Nephilim. But we know that the giants and the Nephilim were before the flood and after the flood. Yes, it eats me up. How do they survive the flood? Obviously, God allowed them to live so it could give him glory later on with David. Now, we get a mention in the five books of Moses of the Rephirim, where you get Anahim, Og and Goliath, and that's later on with David. Og, we have mentioned before, he had a bed made of iron that was nine cubics long. So that a cubic is a foot and a half. So he was a tall individual, like 15 feet, possibly, unless he was a short person that loved a really big bed. But Og has an interesting Jewish history. According to Jewish children's story folktale, Og was alive before the flood. And we wonder, how did he survive the flood? According to Jewish tradition, and I have no Bible to back it up, according to Jewish tradition, Og made a bargain with Noah and said, please, can I get a ride on your ark so I can live? And, please, and I won't, I'll leave you alone. That's Jewish tradition. I have no Bible for it. It's just one of those extra-biblical traditions, folk tales, children's stories. I don't believe it. I believe that God somehow allowed the giants to live through the flood just to give God glory later on. So our first set of mysteries was Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. The sons of God laid with the daughters of men. Those are fallen angels, believed to be fallen angels that have these hybrid children that were giants. Amen. So, Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, spend some time with the Nephilim. Some, now, let me, 
give you this precursor. Some of the theories get really weird. Just stick with the biblical principle. That is our first mystery creature is the Nephilim. Amen. There will be a test next week. Next slide. Now, this one is interesting. So we've talked about giants so far, the Nephilim or the Nephilim, the fallen ones. What's interesting to me is that their names already tell them of their fates. Hi, it's a Nephilim. It's a giant. Sorry, buddy. According to your name and translation, you've already fallen. That should encourage you. When a giant faces you, you've already fallen. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 8 through 10 and 21 through 22. This, whoo, this one's interesting. This is, the book of Leviticus is a detailed explanation of those 613 laws of Moses. And this particular instructions was how to go about the day of atonement, or they would call Yom Kippur. The day of atonement is when they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seed and they rolled over the sin for the year of the people. But you dealt with what was called the scapegoats. Here's the explanation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. First off, I feel bad for the goats. The two lots, one was called the Urim and the other one was called the Urim. And they were two lots. Is basically drawing straws. One goat was to be sacrificed, and one goat, all the sins, was to be put on that scapegoat. So Aaron, the first high priest, they had the lots, and Aaron shall bring the goat upon the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat under which lot fell under the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement with him, and let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. We all know what a scapegoat is. That is somebody or something that you blame. You put all the blame on the scapegoat. And so this poor goat, Jacob, all the sins of the people were on this poor goat. So here's the instructions. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over him the inequities or sins of the children of Israel. And all their transgressions and sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. So basically, you had two goats. They threw up their lots. One goat was to be killed. The blood was to be sprinkled on the altar. And one goat, all the sins were put on the head of that goat and set out of the camp. But it's, this is the interesting mystery that goes with it. And they shall send him away by the hand of a fit man in the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all the inequities onto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat into the wilderness. So that poor goat, Sister Wendy, all the sins were on that poor goat, and he was kicked out of the camp. Next slide, please, if the HDMI works. Next slide. All right. Here's the mystery. So there is a Hebrew word for goat that is Azazel. It goes with the Day of Atonement, which we talked about. And in Hebrew, Azazel 
That Hebrew word is goat or scapegoat in Hebrew. But there is a debate amongst biblical scholars of what particularly that word meant and what transpired with the goats. So the first debate is face value, the King James Bible, right, is that the poor goat received the sins and it is sent out into the wilderness to die. The second debate is that that word Azazel doesn't mean anything with the goat, but it is a place that the goat goes to. The land that is cut off is what Azazel also means. Now, there is Jewish tradition. As I say, I don't have definitive Bible, so I'm going to lean on the Bible. But I like mysteries. All right? The book of Enoch and the book of the Apocalypse of Abraham. These are apocryphal, meaning it's non-biblical. State that Azazel, according to Jewish tradition, is some type of goat demon that lived in the wilderness. That received that poor goat. Bible doesn't specifically say it, but according to Jewish tradition. Is everybody understanding? It's just a mystery. I stand by me that the poor goat just went out. Sorry, goat. But what's to me is I've seen translations, like literal translations, from Hebrew to English that say Azazel. And my springboard to this study was, what is Azazel? And so I went down the list and said, what is this? And so Azazel, they believe, is a demon that received that sin-laid goat. Expulsion of sins is what it represented. I stand by because I have no other biblical documentation of this Jewish tradition that it was just a goat. But I like these mysteries of things. We have to understand, we've got to take that Bible face value, but at the same time, there's some interesting places where it went to. Amen. So it's just a goat. I believe it's just a goat. Do I believe that there are demonic forces at the time? Do you think there's demonic forces as God was working, cutting away sin and atonement at the time? Absolutely. I wholeheartedly believe it. And in Jewish tradition, if they believe it was some type of demon dealing with that, it could be. But we have nothing more than the goat. But just know, in the original Hebrew translation, it says Azazel. Amen? Just these mysteries. Next one, please. Ooh. We used this last time. Isaiah 34 and 14. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island. And the satyr, Mr. McLean, good to see you. I told you. If I was from the pulpit, no matter what, Mr. McLean, my dear friend from Timberidge Elementary, welcome. I told him I was going to make a scene when he walked in. Isaiah chapter 34, 14, we mentioned this. It says that the satyr shall cry out to his fellow, and the screech owl also shall rest there and find herself in a place of rest. This was always interesting to me. The two things that always stood out to me was satyr and screech owl. So let's go to the next one. A satyr. In Hebrew, it literally means hairy one. I don't think I've ever heard anybody call somebody, hey, satyr, you're the hairy one. 
Amen. I guess if we start talking about men needing haircuts, we'll just call them satyrs. Because it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Hey, satyr, the hairy one. So this is the interesting one. We see the word satyr in the King James Bible. The King James Bible took many translations from the Septuagint, which is the Greek interpretation of the Old Testament. And in the Septuagint, the original Greek translation, they mention a demon known as a satyr. In Greek mythology, which obviously inspired a lot of that culture, in Greek mythology, a satyr was half man and half goat. Now, satyr in Hebrew can mean goat, can mean devil, or it can mean night monsters. Or it can mean a place of desolate waste. All we know is that the original Greek translation mentioned demons. They talked about how satyrs danced. It goes on to Isaiah talking about that. Or some scholars believe that a satyr could be a, some type of baboon from Babylon. I mean, I don't know. Baboons could be pretty mean. And they would kind of freak me out if I had no clue what was going on. But just know that we see satyr in, in Jewish tradition and attached to that Hebrew word, it can mean goat, devil, or night monsters. Amen. According to tradition, a satyr is a type of demon. Amen. Next slide, please. Okay. This one is interesting. These are those just those little things that I have to just, it bothers me if I don't know it. So, the book of Isaiah 34, as we read, we talked about satyrs, okay? It could very well just be a goat, it could be a baboon, or it could have its connotation to demonic activity. But screech owl comes from a Hebrew word that is Lilith. Lilith, in Hebrew, can mean night monster, a night hag, or a screech owl. According to Jewish tradition, it's a female demon. As I said, Jewish tradition. Jewish folktale. So it's not biblical. But what would be their inspiration for it would be Sumerian or Mesopotamian. If you look here, this was Lilith in the Sumerian culture. And it would have inspired the Jewish writers at the time. It was a female demon that manifested as owls. So it's more than just the owls because the Hebrew can mean night monster, night hag, or screech owl. Now, it, as I said, that, that word can link up to a night hag, a screech owl, or have demonic activity. But just know in that connotation, the etymology of screech owl is Lilith. Amen. Some of this, a lot of this, is folktale and Jewish tradition. Now, there is a Jewish folktale which is completely unbiblical. It is post-Bible that Lilith was somehow Adam's first wife. Non-biblical, but way post-biblical. According to this Jewish folktale, this Jewish myth, not true, that Lilith was Adam's first wife, but she refused to submit to Adam. 
And as a result, she was kicked out of the garden and then came Eve. I don't know how the Jewish people, God's people, came up with such nonsense. And the reason I mention it is because if you look up this word Lilith, you're going to get a list of this particular folktale when you study that word. So in Isaiah, it has Seder. In Isaiah, it has Screechala, which is Lilith. And they both have some type of demonic connotation in the word. Or it could be a baboon, or it could simply be a screech owl. But I am just saying these mysteries of where you study these particular words. Amen. Next slide. All right. I will not fail to speak of Leviathan's limbs, its strength and graceful form. I don't know how this thing is graceful. Next slide, please. Raise your hand if you have heard of Leviathan. We've mentioned in the book of Job. It's mentioned in Psalm 74, 14. It's mentioned in Isaiah 27 and 1. And it is also mentioned in Psalms 104, 26. We know that the book of Job is poetry. A lot of it is allegory. A lot of it is imagery. But there was some kind of creature at the time to inspire these biblical writers. It is believed that it could have been a type of sea serpent, a sea creature. It could have been a whale for all I know. But it does mention in Job that look at the sea serpent. Uh, in Psalms, it talks about multiple heads. Uh, it's got armor. No spear can pierce it. It has fire that blows out. I don't know about you, Elder, but a giant sea creature that blows fire from water, that's scary. We need some depth charges. They weren't invented at the time. But some kind of creature, some kind of sea creature inspired these writers. I believe that there are a multitude of creatures that are extinct today that were alive and well back in the day. So, also, Leviathan, going back to the Lilith myth, right, that could have inspired some of the writing, was a Mesopotamian myth of Baal. Does that name sound familiar? Baal. Possibly. Psalm 74 talks about Leviathan feeding, feeding to the Hebrews in the wilderness. Isaiah 27.1 talks about how Leviathan is Israel's enemy. Some of it could be imagery. Some of it can be a speaking or inspiration from this type of creature, whatever it is. Amen. Keeps me from wanting to swim in the ocean. I'm just going to be honest. Amen. Depth charges, Elder. Depth charges. Next slide, please. Job chapter 40, verse 15. Now behold, behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. Behemoth. Raise your hand if you've heard of behemoth. Okay, next slide. So behemoth in Hebrew just means a four-legged creature. Could it have been a hippopotamus? I think I misspelled it. Hippopotamus. Could it have been a dinosaur? We don't know. Could it have been an elephant? We don't know. But we know that this creature, whatever it is, can I somebody turn on that back uh, TV for me, please, with the back screen so it doesn't cut off? We know that there was some type of massive, huge creature. Job says that it has iron, right, steel, massive tail, the, the diameter of a tree trunk. Some kind of massive creature at the time 
inspired the writings of Job to discuss behemoth. The book of Enoch, which I said is great fantasy, that is extra biblical, talks about behemoth. Next slide, please. Okay, last creature for the night. I pray that it just, everything we talked about tonight just sparked some curiosity. As I said, and I gave you the forewarning. Some of it was folktale. Some of it was Jewish mysticism, right? We look at the word. How do we study the word of God? What's it say? When was it written? Who was it written to? What was the culture at the time? And what does the word mean in the original language? And how to apply it? As I said, these were mysteries that stood out to me, and I had to dig. What is the root of these things? So Job 39 and 9, will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by the crib? I don't want a unicorn babysitting my kids. But unicorn, elder, right? It's a beautiful white horse with a horn that just shoots rainbows out everywhere. Shoots it out of its eyeballs and its mouth. By the way, I'm going to have a problem if there's a horse with a horn on its head shooting unicorns out of its eyes or rainbows out of its eyes. Okay? It's, this is Texas. It wouldn't last long. Okay? I'm just joking. Okay? All right. Unicorn. What's a unicorn, man? Why does the Bible talk about unicorn? It's mentioned several times. Okay? 1600 King James Bible is what we read from. Next slide, please. What's a unicorn? Unicorn is mentioned in Numbers 23, 22, Psalms 29 and 6, Psalms 92 and 10, Job 39 and 10, and Numbers 24 and 8. Okay, so that's a lot of mentions of these unicorns. It was not a horse with a horn shooting rainbows out of its eyes. That should be illegal. But it is believed that it's called an auroch. It was a type of wild ox at the time that lived in Mesopotamia, that lived in the Israel area, that lived in the Middle East, that would have inspired it. Julius Caesar himself even mentioned the Uruk, and Julius Caesar conquered from like, what is it, 50 B.C., and then, let's see, he was executed in 45 B.C., but he mentioned these creatures. They're extinct now. They were a massive wild ox, and this is just a rendition of what it looked like. Now, I've heard some say that a unicorn was a rhino. I could see that. I hope it's that. But more than likely, this is what a unicorn was being mentioned in the Bible. I've also heard that it is a type, potentially a type of Middle Eastern uh, Mesopotamian uh, antelope or type of deer as well. Amen. So this is what, when I read and I say, Jaden, why is it saying unicorns? This is what it would have been. Amen. Next slide, please. And I think that is it. Thank you so much. I, I pray that as we were going through these mysteries, that it sparked an interest to study. And this may just be a Bible series of Next one will probably just be brief locations or brief books, but the objective is the Bible has a lot of depth to it. And as I said, as we've talked about Lilith or the Seder or some of these very strange things, just understand that some of it is just Jewish tradition. Some of it is extra biblical 
So I bring these up so when you start studying, you're saying, oh, that's what Pastor Brown was talking about, that this is extra biblical. Amen. But it's interesting to me because it gives me context of what Isaiah was trying to say, what these writers were trying to say. Because I'm not just going to assume it's a unicorn. I'm not just going to assume it's just a screech owl. But there's some connotation to what is being written. Amen. Like, the, why are the sons of God marrying these daughters of men? I need context. I need to know what on earth is being said so I can understand the word of God. Amen. Otherwise, we are lost and we don't apply it correctly. I am so glad there's no more giants. As Bishop White always says, he calls me the Anakim, which is a Moabite term for giants. And I say thank you, Bishop White, for calling me an Anakim. Because these giants aren't just mentioned in the Bible. They were mentioned by the Moabites who were the enemies of Israel. And the Moabite, the Anakims meant terror. So these, these mysteries, these brief mentions, have substance to it. Amen. Azazel, this, this goat, this scapegoat, potentially demonic. Amen. We just got to understand that there is some context to things. There's some roots to things. Remember what I said. Everything has an origin. Amen. So continue to pray for our bishop. He'll, back, he'll be back Saturday. We are uh, still operating the pumpkin patch for a little bit. We're going to have some farmers coming to get some pumpkins. If you would like to get a pumpkin tonight, please feel free to grab a few pumpkins. Amen. Uh, if you know anybody that would like to buy some pumpkins or anybody that like to buy, uh, buy some bales of hay, please let us know and give, us, give them our contact information. Amen. We've got a lot of folks that are sick. We need to be praying for them. May the Lord bless you tonight. I pray that these little strange nuances spark an interest in studying the Word of God. We're going to look at some other mysteries that are just like, what is this? And what does it mean? May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you tonight. Everybody's, is everybody good back there?